again. This is Brian Copeland talking. Welcome to another edition of Copeland's Corner. I'll be joined in a little bit by another distinguished panel of comics, and we will uh, go through some of the news of the week. Um, I want to start with something I read this morning that, that is disturbing to me. Um, generally, in a midterm election, the party who does not occupy the, the presidency, the party, the opposing party of the presidency usually does very, very well because it ends up being a referendum on the president. Now, uh, Joe Biden's numbers are down. Um, he's underwater, below 50 percent, has been for some time. And it looked at the beginning of the year like it was going to be a Republican blowout, uh, that they were going to end up taking back both chambers of Congress. Then we had the Dobbs decision in the summer where the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade in that energized Democratic voters. And all of a sudden, the way the polls were looking were, was that the uh, the Democrats were most likely going to retain the Senate, maybe even increase their majority in the Senate and had a fighting chance at keeping the House. Well, that's flipped again. Uh, according to polling today, uh, the GOP is now favored as of today. Uh, now, again, we're three weeks out. Things could change. But uh, as of today, the GOP is now favored to win both houses of Congress. And the reason being is that the what they're calling the Dobbs effect, uh, meaning the overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, has faded. The Dobbs effect has faded. And when they poll voters, likely voters, their main concerns are the economy, inflation, gas prices. That's and crime, the economy, inflation, gas prices and crime. And then down the line is reproductive rights and stuff like that. Um, I got to tell you, I'm just shaking my head. If this were a normal election where you had a normal Democratic Party versus a normal Republican Party, it's like, OK, well, you know, you know, you can see that they, they just had different priorities. But this is a normal Democratic Party against, quite frankly, a bunch of whack jobs. And I'm not the only one saying this. People who are real Republicans, such as the Lincoln Republicans, who have left the party because of the extremism that Donald Trump brought to the party, uh, are doing everything that they possibly can to make sure or to try to make sure that the that these MAGA Republicans, and that's exactly what it is. You know, if, if the House in, in the, the, the Senate flip, it's going to be MAGA Republicans in charge. And this will mean a sweep across the country, not just as far as Congress is concerned, but as far as uh, uh, state offices and state legislatures are concerned. You have a lot of election deniers who are running for like secretary of state positions and positions where they would be the ones to certify election results in their states. Uh, you have a lot of these people who are running and a lot of these people who have a real good chance of winning. And these are people who, uh, had they been in, in those positions when Donald Trump was calling around trying to, to scrounge up you know, extra votes or tell them to send their own slate of electors, they would have gone ahead and done it. You know, um, you have people on the left who are saying that this is a not it's not even just people on the left. Again, you know, it's 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 people like Liz Cheney, who, who is far from a leftist, who I, who I agree with on just about nothing. But I do admire her courage in what it is that she said, what it is that she has done uh, to try to try to get to the truth about January 6th. She lost her, her congressional seat because of it. And she said she's going to do everything she can. To, to make sure Donald Trump is not elected president again. But you've got people like her saying that this election is about democracy. So you mean to tell me that the people of this country, the majority of people in this country today, and you've got a lot of mail-in ballots in a number of states that are starting today, people are actually starting to vote today in a lot of places, that they care more about how much a damn gallon of gas is or, or how much they're, they're paying for a gallon of milk. They care more about that than they care about whether or not their vote's going to count in the next presidential election or whether there's going to be somebody who's going to go, nah, nah, that's not the way we wanted it to go, so we're just going to send our own electors. They care more about that than they care about a, a, a 10-year-old getting raped and impregnated by her rapist and state law uh, being such that... Uh, 
the, the child must carry the, the baby. The child must carry the baby to full term. They care more about gas prices than that. And if this is the kind of country that, that we live in, I, I just I'm just shaking my head. I mean, our priorities are just not our priorities. The priorities of the majority of people who are voting, if that's the way they go, are just really screwed up. You know, if, if they're going to elect hypocritical nitwits like Herschel Walker, why is the Herschel Walker Raphael Warnock race even close? It's still within the margin of error. Why is it within the, within the margin of error? When you, when you hear Herschel Walker speak, when you find out the things you're finding out about his character, about his hypocrisy, about his out-of-wedlock children when he's chastising fathers for having babies and not being around to take care of these babies, about the woman who he paid to have an abortion, who can prove it, who's got a picture of the check. You know, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. I, I just don't understand um, how these people can call themselves patriots and claim that they love this country and then turn around and, and vote uh, in a way that is in direct opposition to the very ideals of this country and the ideals on which this nation was founded. So uh, I'm hoping that these polls are wrong. They've been wrong before. But something tells me that they're not. That at the end of the day, it, it boils down to people's pocketbooks more than freedom, more than democracy, more than reproductive rights. It boils down to their pocketbooks and how scared they are that somebody's going to rob them. And that's sad. This is part of the podcast that we call Headliners on the Headlines. Uh, I want to mention, uh, first off, uh, Lauren Mayer, who is one of our favorites, one of our regulars, was scheduled to be on today. But she's feeling a little under the weather and uh, having some vocal problems. So she sends her regrets. So hopefully she'll be joining us in a couple of weeks. And hopefully uh, whatever this is that she's got uh, is something that uh, she'll get over quickly. But we do have two of our other favorites here. Uh, Maureen Langan is here, as well as the reigning champion of the San Francisco International Comedy Competition. Chris Riggins is here. Good to have you both. Welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Uh, well, I'm going to I'm going to start with Chris real fast and just say congratulations on winning the competition. And how, how, how does it feel? Oh, man, it feels surreal. I still, ha you know, I'm still kind of taking it all in because I didn't, you know, I've never thought I'd enter and win. So I'm kind of still just like, wow, this is pretty amazing. It, and it's so much pressure. Have you done it, Maureen? Have you done the comedy competition? I did. I did it in 2009 and um, came in third. So. So we well, made top five still. That that's. You know, I know. Second into the last night. Misogynist. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> when I did it, I, I missed the semis. It was me and Greg Proops both missed the semifinals oh by, by like by like one ten thousandth of a, of a point or something crazy yeah. like that. Um, and it's just it's just so much pressure, you know, to try yeah. to be funny and know that you're being judged. And, yes. And, and you can go up there and kill and still not place. Yeah, well, I know that's true. I was second until the last night. And it was close, but I was with some really great guys. And, you know, it was just great memories. And I met the Sicilian. So everything's worked out. Ah, that's right. It worked out. You met your love. Yeah. And, and, and Chris, how about for you? I mean, was it, was it nerve wracking? Um, you know, did you come in first every night during the, fi during the finals and the semis? Or how did it work? Um, during, the, uh, during the finals, I took first place in three of the shows and second place in one of the shows. So I basically, yeah, I took, I took all like first show. I took first place, uh, second show, second place, third show and the fourth show I took first place. So is that still the way that it, that it was back in the day where, where there's like a week or two weeks of prelims and then the semis and the finals? Is that Yeah. So there's two weeks of prelims with uh, 16, comedians going in each of the prelim rounds then that narrows down to five out of each of those which goes to the 10 uh, of the semifinals and then after the semifinals you go to the finals with the last five i see yeah well, i heard chris killed it i heard that you did really great chris 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, I had a, I, you know, it was one of those things where I was just like, I, I once I got to the finals, I was like, okay, I could take this. I could win oh. this. I, I could do this. So I just kind of zoned in and then, you know, shout out to past winners who literally reached out to me and like, you know, gave me encouragement and gave me tips and just kind of, I, I took the advice and just kind of put it, put it into what I was doing and came out on top. So how much is the prize money now if you went for winning it? Uh, $7,500 for now. I'm sorry, how much? $7,500 now. $7,500. That's, that's not bad. Can I borrow a couple of dollars? <laughs> I mean, I got, you know, I understand you got grandchildren now, so I got you. I'll take you to Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations. I'm really thrilled and I'm happy for you, my friend. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Let's start with this. I, I did a little um, opening before I brought you guys on. And uh, the thing that I talked about, I just want your take on it. And that is that um, at the beginning of the year, Republicans were favored heavily favored to win the, the Congress because that's generally the way that it goes um, in the midterms that the opposing party to the presidency usually picks up seats. Uh, sometimes it's a blowout like it was um, during Clinton's first midterms and like it was during Obama's midterms. Uh, and, and then Roe versus Wade was overturned and it looked like the Democrats were going to were going to increase their majority in the Senate and might possibly hold on to the House. Well, as of today, uh, it's flipped again. As of today, what they're what they're calling the Dobbs effect. That's what they're calling the the overturning of Roe v. Wade. The Dobbs effect that so energized Democratic voters and independent voters and women has faded, and mm-hmm. the Republicans are now favored to win again. And when they polled the likely voters, the, the their top concerns and the things that they're voting on are inflation, gas prices, and crime. So mm. election integrity, democracy, reproductive rights, all that stuff's secondary. All that stuff is secondary. Because they're saying that you know this election is about democracy because there are a lot of election deniers who are running for state offices where if they win, and if there's a Republican wave, they will win. Uh, they will be in a position to decide uh, basically whether your vote counts or not. You know, they'll be they, they'll be able to send, uh, depending on what the Supreme Court says, in a case that the Supreme Court is looking at, they'll be able to send whatever slate of electors they want to the Electoral College. So, number one, does this surprise you? Because uh, it does really surprise me. And number two, just your thoughts on it, both of you. Doesn't surprise me at all, Brian. I told you that weeks ago. I told you that weeks ago. First of all, um, I'm going to tell you a little hard on people who are financially struggling. I would think of my own mother, six kids, trying to make ends meet with gas on a you know limited income. And you know, that's first thing is putting food in your kid's mouth and keeping the, electrics, the electricity on. So that is some of those people that said, I just got to vote for something that's going to keep the roof over my head. So there but, is that. But, but let, me, let me give you the but before you go, before you go any farther. Mm-hmm. Inflation and gas prices are rising around the globe. The president exactly. or, and yeah. who you vote for, the president and the Congress, have absolutely nothing to do with either one of those two issues. So how you vote, you know, voting to switch parties is not going to make gas prices go down. And well, you, you know that. And I know that. But people at home are not as political or as informed as you and I are. They just look at what's going on in their kitchen table, literally, and they think, well, let me sh- try somebody else. Maybe it'll be better. They're not thinking of the whole global issue. They're not. They're not thinking of the impact of Ukraine on all these prices. But I'm going to tell you something that you brought up that's very important. How can people be voting for uh, election deniers? Well, guess what the Democrats did? They helped elect um, a denier in Michigan. They helped, there was a guy who served in Iraq, or Iraq, um, was a moderate, was not an election denier, voted for Trump to be impeached. Peter Meyer, mayor, I don't know how to say his name. Um, the Democratic Committee, whatever funds ads, to get the good guy, the, the, the moderate, um, to have him uh, lose the race. Yeah, so to they, an extremist. It's a common ploy. It's a common ploy. In fact, Claire McCaskill did that uh, in 2010 or 2012, when she was running um, for Missouri uh, for her for reelection for her Senate seat, I believe it's in the state of Missouri is where she's from. And what the deal was is she um, was running against uh, three. There were three Republican candidates running in the primary, and one of them was Todd Aiken. 
and and he, he was really well. He wouldn't be considered extreme by today's field. <laughs> today's field, he wouldn't. Uh, and so and so what her what what her campaign did was put a lot of money into Todd Aiken's race. I thought it was brilliant. Actually, they put a lot of money in, ta- in Todd Aiken's race in the primary so that he became the Republican nominee. And then after he became the Republican nominee, she knew she could beat him, especially after he's he's the one that said that that a woman who is legitimately raped, raped his yeah. words, legitimately yeah. raped, can't get yeah. pregnant. Well, they have, and, the body has a way of shutting yeah. that down. Is what it yeah. said. Yeah. So, so that's something, and 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 Republicans have done that as well. You know, voted for a candidate. You know, put money into the opposing party's uh, least electable candidate in the primaries. So that yeah. that's. However, it can backfire, and this yeah. and what you're talking about yeah. is it's going to backfire. I hope it doesn't, but I'd rather have a moderate Republican than a sure. lunatic, uh, fringe freak. Who wants to un- undermine democracy? I'll take a Republican with integrity. Sure. Um, you know, I wish there were some pro-choice Republicans. Christy Todd Whitman in Jersey used to be, but yeah, that, yeah. That didn't go anywhere. They're okay, Chris. When they have to be. Yeah. Well. Well. When have they ever had to be? Herschel Walker. Well, depends on the state. <laughs> yeah. Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker. As is a cop too. okay explain i said this at the top explain to me why why is this race even close herschel walker Raphael warnock why is this race it's it's within the margin of error herschel walker could who can't put two intelligent words together (laughs) cannot could, could quite possibly be the senator from the state of georgia I'm going to call it the OK state of Georgia because they like him. It's not the great state of Georgia. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's because of that. Uh, hold up. Why is people coming? I think it's because of that. Uh, I think it's because of that whole uh, the whole mindset of, uh, you know, you can't tell two black guys apart. So they're they're like ah what oh, well, which which one is it which one uh, well, <laughs> it. you don't God. know which which one to vote for like I mean honestly oh, it's it's also because of. Uh, um, what you call it? Uh, you know, the Republican side has kind of gone into that lunacy where they really just don't care anymore. They I really just don't care. See, I, I do think they care. I think they care about different things than than perhaps I care about or you care about. And I told <laughs> well, Brian this. Well, I mean, they just they care about money. And um, how many Republicans I wonder have ever, you know voted uh, for a Democrat. There was a lot last time just to get rid of Trump. But I am wondering too here, I I think, and I'm just saying this, you know, people, I was, when I saw that the abortion issue today on that um, polling, Brian, that 5%, that's one of their top issues. I, mm-hmm. I, I, it breaks my heart because I don't see women as being valued in America. And here we are trying to help the women in um, Iran yeah. And what are we doing with our own women here? It's te- it's terrible. And I told you weeks ago that they wouldn't care about it. You did, and I and I just I, I just thought in my heart of hearts that you were wrong. Well, I, I hope just, I'm wrong. I just, I hope it uh, because I because I just believed in my heart of hearts, especially when you have stories coming out like that ten year old Ohio girl, and I'm and I'm from Ohio. I was born in Akron, Ohio. I've uh, been in, I've been here since I was five. Uh, since I was six, so I consider myself a, a California native. But yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, that 10 year old girl in Ohio who was raped by a 24 year old, got pregnant. And, and because of the law, there was a trigger law in effect uh, yeah. in Ohio that banned abortion under all circumstances. No carve outs for rape. or incest, <sighs> None. Well, you and know, so she had to go to Indiana. She had to go to Indiana to get the procedure done. And she did. Now, Indiana has passed a law that's as bad as Ohio's. And they're investigating the doctor, too, to make sure she did. But you know what, too? I want to caution people to say that. Now, I was raised Catholic, so I understand the whole life beginning at conception As was was I. I get it. But you know what? As a woman who's had five miscarriages, I am telling you, look at a six-week or eight-week fetus. It is not a baby. You've got to stop calling it a baby. You can say it will be one day, just like a seed will one day be a flower, but it is not a flower. So we have to – the language is very important. People that know science know that. People that believe that the scientists understand this and the doctors understand this know that. Doctors know that. Uh, it's it's really just really it's one of those those things that like you said you're not surprised that people aren't interested in, and I'm not either. 
I'm never surprised by people's lack of interest in human rights. I'm never surprised by that in this country because we have so many shiny bells and whistles to distract us from the fact that we may condemn China for how they treat people, but then we turn around and treat our people the same way. You know, like you say, we talk about the women in, in Afghanistan and Palestine and other places in Iran where, you know, women are being killed for not wearing hijabs. It's like, yo, we treat women worse here. We just took away one of their one essential rights that they had to autonomy over their own body. And we cannot point fingers. So when yeah, the, Repu- see- the Republicans are saying that if they are uh, in the majority again, and if they take the White House again with a Republican majority, yep. that they will have that they will mm-hmm. pass a national ban mm-hmm. on abortion, mm-hmm. a national ban on abortion. Mm-hmm. So again, how can you vote for that? You know, it, it, you know what it's like. I, I mean, it, may, maybe you have heard stories um, from from maybe your grandfather or somebody, Chris, or, or read about this about about uh, the. The, the black soldiers who fought in World War One and in World War Two, who went overseas to fight for freedom, then come back here and go, wait, and I, and I, I can't drink out of a drinking fountain. Yeah, you just sent me to Europe. But yeah, exactly, exactly. So we are hypocritical. You are you. You're absolutely right about that. We're hypocritical about how we will lecture other countries about human rights, but when it comes to human rights here, no. Mm-hmm. But think about the Democrats, the hypocrisy. And I know it's a strategy game like uh, chess. Uh, backing the Democrat who's an election, I mean, the Republican who's an election denier. I mean, the Democrats say that we have this um, holier than now and we are doing the right thing. But how, do you, how would you possibly put yourself, even have the potential to let a an election denier Trumpster win. I, I because, just, they, right. because they just didn't think that he could because they thought that he was too extreme for the electorate. That's why. That's how that mm-hmm. game is played. Is that, know, if, is that you put them on, you, you try to get the other party to nominate somebody who you believe is completely unelectable. The no. problem is <laughs> that the bar is now so low for the GOP. Yeah. Right. That there's yeah. nobody. When you've got Herschel Walker up there talking about how China took our good air. <laughs> they're bad. Oh, good. oh my god! It's, it's I didn't know how he did do that. Yeah, he did. He did. I know. He's. He's. It's like it's almost. I, I'll be real, Brian. Some you know, is, and this is, might be something that me and you as black men understand. When I watch Herschel Walker talk on TV, I'm like, will somebody please get this Negro off the screen? Oh my god. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my God! Like I, I was whole juice. The one thing I did say that Donald Trump did—he lowered the bar for whiteness. So therefore, I didn't have to try as hard. Now Herschel Walker is readjusting <laughs> that bar. Like, Bro, I got started lying on my resume again. This is not right. No, oh my it's, God! It's, it's just—it's. I'm just shaking my head. I'm just shaking my head. But I will tell you, is if if the the Supreme Court is is uh, is hearing a case, and I think they may have already heard it, uh, as to uh, it, it's it's being framed as a states' rights case, uh, which will decide whether or not state legislatures have the final word when it comes to elections for that state. And if, in fact, they say that's constitutional, that can be interpreted as those in the state legislature in a presidential election can send whatever slate of electors they feel yeah. like, no matter what, what it, was voted for, no matter what. Brian, the people let me ask you this, Brian. What is you know, we talk about states rights. And in New York, the governor of New York um, said that you can't bring concealed weapons into certain public places like New York's Times Square. Mm-hmm. And that was um, deemed unconstitutional. So they say state rights, but that was deemed unconstitutional. So now, you know, lock and loaded everywhere. Well, but here's the thing. And, and that is, is that states have always had laws that were unconstitutional. And, and the Supreme Court uh, threw them out. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, the whole issue of, 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 of segregation in Jim Crow was was being touted by the Southerners as states' rights. Yeah. It's our state. We can do whatever we want. And the, yeah. the Supreme Court said, no, segregated schools until Brown v. Board of Education. It was a states' rights issue. Mm-hmm. Speaking of New York, and seg- I, I heard a great podcast that I want to recommend to you guys and recommend everybody who's listening. Uh, it was put out by the people who did Serial and, uh, and the New York Times. The New York Times owns Serial Productions now. And it's called Nice White Parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it is, is they look at the history of a school in, in New York, in the Bronx, that's mm-hmm. gone from being um, mostly white to mostly black to 
to white parents coming in again and basically trampling over what the 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 black PTA and, and, and Latino PTA had been doing and wanting to mm-hmm. do it and enforcing their own will. And it's, uh, but the, the, the reason I bring this up is the thing that really shocks me. I didn't know. Uh, and I'm sure you probably didn't know. Maybe you do being a New Yorker. Do you know that the schools in New York are the most segregated schools in America? Mm. The, 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 the public schools in New York, in, in, in Manhattan, in New York City, in, in, in New York, the, the five boroughs are the most segregated schools in the country that mm-hmm. and they say in, in second, I don't know where California ranks, but because the, they didn't they didn't list. They didn't rattle off the list of, 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 of rankings, but they said all of the most segregated schools are in big blue states. Yeah, huh. so not oh, definitely. Expl- explain Desi, that to me. Have you been to L.A.? Yeah, of course. LA is such a segregated city. LA is so segregated that there is no doubt in my mind New York is even more segregated because the bigger the city, the more likely people have their own towns, their own areas. You go to New York, there's little Italy, there's Chinatown. Everyone has their section. So I'm not surprised that when you go out into the boroughs and you go out into the other parts of of the New York City area or New York period, yeah. I'm not surprised you get very segregated. Like up north, yeah, Albany, all that. Yeah, I'm definitely not surprised that New York has a bunch of segregated schools. But, but these are progressive well, states. These are yeah, all you would think states, it's better. Suppose, yeah. you know, I don't know you how to assume. You know, growing up in New Jersey, um, when I was a documentary producer, I did uh, a show on the inequity of education because it was all based on property taxes. So if you lived in an inner yeah. city, there wasn't the kind of money. You lived in a town called like Mendham. This school had pools and tennis courts. In Newark, New Jersey, the girls' track team was running through the halls to train. They're running through the friggin' halls. Wow. And then I, I think they may have changed the funding the way it's done now, but I don't think much has changed. So I'm wondering in New York, because my dad's from the South Bronx, which was a working class, um, pretty, un- you know, very immigrant uh, uneducated population in general, his family anyway. And now it's largely Hispanic. Now it's getting gentrified again. Not not that he was like living the lap of luxury, but I wonder how they're funding it. I don't know how the schools are funded, obviously taxes, but why do certain areas uh, have better education? That's what well, I'm California had the no same way. had the same issue. And, 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 and uh, in addition to, to to property taxes, uh, with, uh, with with in the, the state of California, uh, the wealthy. Well, I'm sure this is everywhere. The wealthy communities that that are wealthier communities that are sending their kids to, to the, the the public school are yeah. also doing things on the outside. And that's one of the things in nice white parents you'll hear is that there is a you know they'll do a fundraiser on the outside. I'll never forget. I, I was uh, probably about 20 years ago. I was asked to be an MC by a, a, a reporter friend of mine uh, for her son's middle school. That was in, it was a public middle school in a wealthy community mm-hmm. um, near Silicon Valley, not in Silicon, not in Silicon Valley, but near Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was is they wanted to raise money to get computers for this middle school. So right. I uh, <laughs> emceed my kids, you know, uh, Catholic uh, elementary school auction every single year. And at that time, they were, you know, on a good year, they'd pull in like thirty five or forty thousand dollars. You know, the big item would be somebody donated their luxury box or a couple of Warriors tickets or something. Wow. Would be like the big item. OK, so <laughs> wow. I go to this thing. I know that was a big, yeah, big that was a wow. big deal. So I, so I go to MC this thing and they had stuff like Larry Ellison donated his private jet to whisk you away to his private Jeez. island for a weekend. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Neil Young donated a weekend. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, donated a lunch with him and an afternoon with him in his home recording studio. And by the time this was over, this three hour auction was over, they had raised two million dollars. Over two million dollars. I think it was two point one. Was that was the how it ended up? To, to, over two million dollars for a public school. And the reason what this is, so sticks out to me is because there was a school in Oakland. It was reported this very same day that there was a public school in Oakland, elementary school, where because of funding, the boys' bathroom had been closed for three years. Oh my God. Um, I just wonder why those rich guys didn't just freaking buy the computers and pass over the auction. <laughs> <laughs> but then you wouldn't have gotten paid for a good gig. But I'm like, no, right? I, I donated my time. I oh, my for, gosh. I, yeah, that kind of stuff. I, I always donate my oh. time for that kind of stuff. Well, Sorry, then I would have gotten a ride in the plane if I were you. I mean, are you kidding? Oh, um, I, 
Well, here's money the thing begets that money, my friend. Money uh, begets okay. money. Well, here's the thing that I found out again listening to this podcast that that I that I found fascinating. Did you know that there is a threshold of of, of white students that have to be in a school before parents, white parents, will send their kids there? And the threshold is twenty seven percent. White parents will not send their kids to a school unless it's at least twenty seven percent white. Well, why do you think that is? Because they know that it's a lesser education if it's black and brown kids, and they don't want that for their kids. Think about that. Think about that. So they're yeah, like, I'm not putting my kid in that school system. That one sucks. Well, yeah. Well, whose fault is that? My kids go to the whitest school I could find. That's right. You want to be a little black golf girl? Go for it. I'm not <laughs> mad. Go. And I'm You're not going to be a hypocrite. I, I, I went to Catholic school and was the only black face in the room. And, and my kids all went to Catholic school and two out of three of them were the only black face in the room. You know, so it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I, I, hey, say, speaking I can of afford to send my kid, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep, I don't mean, cause I can't see you. Sorry. I can't see the body language. So I don't mean to interrupt, you know, Megan Kelly, I'm laughing. Cause you know how she said, what's wrong with blackface? And then yeah. uh, she's making fun of Meghan Markle. I'm like, I thought you liked blackface. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's, pick, pick a side, lady. <laughs> well, she's the one that on her show got, you know, that whole black Santa Claus debate when she ends up by saying, oh, we all know Santa Claus is white. No, we all know Santa I mean, Claus isn't real. I agree. If Santa was real, he'd be white. I'm sorry. I agree. I don't know if that makes me racist or her not racist, but I agree. I well, just say, don't know no black people that like living in the snow. I just don't that's know. Right. That's right. I knew it. And you remember Fred Sanford? I don't care what the white yeah. man says. Santa Claus is black. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, first of all, it just seems a little far-fetched for a black dude to be trying to give everybody gifts on Christmas. I mean, yeah, yeah. all my family's from Cleveland. It snowed a lot there. None of them liked it. So I don't no. know. Maybe... Maybe, maybe, you know, Brian, maybe because there's so few white male role models that are positively, you know, influencing white men, we need to let them have Santa. That's, that's just, a you know, it might cut down on school shoot. Just give them somebody to look up to. Don't say I cut down school students because now you're sounding like Herschel Walker. Don't, don't, oh, don't boy. say that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah! Now, 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 now you're sounding like Herschel Walker. <laughs> well, after Uvalde, what he said was is that, uh, is that they need to have a commission of people looking at guys who look at women on the internet. That's how he, that's how he'll deal with school shootings. I'm not making that up. I'm not making that up. Uh, President Biden announced on Monday that student loan borrowers are, can now start applying for up to $20,000 in debt forgiveness. If they make less than $125,000 a year, that's the threshold. And when you've got conservatives that are yelling and screaming about how unfair this is and how this is just a giveaway and what it's going to do to the deficit and the budget and all this. And it's like, you know, these are the guys who gave this biggest tax cut ever to rich people who didn't need it. But when you're talking about middle class people, you know, getting some debt relief from student loan debt, it's it's uh, it's an abomination. Let me ask you this. How much of the loans, um, how much is forgiven? Because that's what I don't know. I don't think it's all of the loans. Uh, it's, it's, up, it's, it, it's up to $20,000. Oh, okay. It's all up right. to $20,000. Well, so if, you know, and, and it doesn't mean that if you apply, you're going to get the whole $20,000. <laughs> I mean, you could owe 40 and they forgive five. I mean, I don't know I what mean, the formula is. It, are they basing it on your income now? Or are they basing it on mm-hmm. the, kind of, the kind of loan you signed? Because, I mean, I feel like, 20,000, that's a great gesture. I'm not mad. I'm not going to even try to find a negative in there. But at the same time, in today's prices and inflation, how much is 20,000 going to really benefit people like us in California or somebody that lives in New York or somebody lives in more expensive places? Like, I'm, I don't know how this works, but yeah, I'm, I got questions like how much gets refunded based on your income now or or how they just feel mm-hmm. and i gotta be honest to tell you that i don't i don't know but i can't tell you what i do know and that is most of the people i know who have student loan debt it's it's more than 20 grand you know so well, you just said but you just said it's up to make if you make up to one hundred twenty five thousand dollars if you make up to one hundred twenty five thousand dollars, yeah and i think i think if you have pell grants or, or or something you end up getting uh that that's you you end up getting more forgiven 
I believe. And again, check me on that. Don't don't quote me on that. I know, I know, I know. Well, you know, too, uh, it's interesting to hear when this first came out, when Biden first announced this, I'm watching people, particularly many I grew up with in a working class neighborhood in northern New Jersey, um, ripping on it from guys who are are very well to do to people I know who just barely uh, finished high school and how they're... um, lambasting this and if you can't go to school and you can't afford it you shouldn't go i'm like what are you talking about what is Mm -hmm. happening if you can't what are we going to do like really we should have an uneducated population yeah because schools have made it so unaffordable and i just thought you know they go into the trades all right what am i going to be what am i going to do i don't want to be a plumber so i mean like state schools Mm -hmm. are affordable and i just listened to a really great podcast speaking of podcasts um it's uh, on a podcast called History Unplugged and the history of how universities came about. Really fascinating. And just from the beginning when people really weren't going and it was just really this white Protestant guys kind of country clubbing thing. Um, it, and then the Jews got involved and then they didn't like that at all. So like it just had the trajectory of education. But I went to a state school and people mock it. Like they mock Bernie Sanders for thinking community education, having community colleges accessible. High schools did not exist until you know, I don't know when, but it was like, I think, uh, what, the late 1800s, the early 1900s, there was no high school until people lobbied for that. So I I think people really, the way they don't respect education and understand that working class people, um, up to 20,000, that's nothing. It's the the competitive capitalist mind state that if someone else gets something, I'm getting something taken away from me. That's right. the whole mindset of, you know, this is coming out of my taxes. You know, I'm not paying taxes for you to sit on your butt and get food. Mm -hmm. That's whole mentality when it's like, fam, it's not even like that. Well, you well, really what if, want this to happen. well, the refrain that they're using is, is that, is that what Joe Biden is doing is paying for people's master's degrees. I don't know know how much a master's costs, but there is that thing that Chris said, you're very right. People are like, um, well, I had to pay for mine. Why shouldn't they pay for theirs? Instead of, yeah. wow, we're making the system better. I paid for my college education, every penny of it. Uh, but, but you I'm could happy do it. For this. Well, but, I okay, could do but, it. Okay, right. but and, yeah, you could do it. Right. You know, right. I, I mean, I talk to people who tell me how they, um, uh, oh, I, I, I've got a friend who went to UCLA in, in the 60s. And it was something like, I think he was telling me it was like 400 or $500 mm-hmm. a year. To go to UCLA, four or five hundred dollars a year. So you could right. work a job and work your way through. Yeah. You know, what's the cost to go to UCLA now? Gosh. No. But you can make the argument that because of the fact that student loans were so available to everybody, and all basically all you needed was just, you know, a warm body to sign to sign the note and, <laughs> and, and, and you got the loan, that that encouraged them to raise prices. You can you could make that argument. I mean, I haven't seen any 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 statistics or any any research to back that up but it, it seems like that is is logical that if they know that they can get you know those charges what they know they can get yeah speaking of charging what they know they can get uh in san francisco this is something i do not understand in san francisco uh in noe valley okay in noe valley they wanted a public toilet and they have, have been asking for a public toilet in Noe Valley forever because, you know, there's a big homeless problem, of course, in San Francisco. And they want people to have a public toilet somewhere where, where they can go. So uh, their supervisor was uh, was finally able to go to the state and get the state to allocate the amount of money that, that it would cost. You know, they, they had it all priced out. And apparently this is the average cost of building a public toilet. And the mm-hmm. state allocated the money. And the amount of money it costs to build a public toilet in San Francisco is $1.7 million. Jeez, wow. My uh, house is not worth one point seven million dollars. <laughs> I'm serious. I could dig holes all through the city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, squat and go. There we. <laughs> one point million dollars. One point seven million dollars. I'll dig the hole for you, so you can go. One point seven million dollars. I see it's because San Francisco is the most expensive place to build in America. It's also all the bureaucrats they had to go through to get the toilet. That's probably what it was too. Everybody made a lot of money on that toilet. One point seven million dollars for to, to, to build a toilet. <laughs> That's some gold plated shit. All right. <laughs> I totally better have a bidet. <laughs> better bidet on a solid gold. Exactly. Trump's right. toilet. Trump's toilet. Okay. Okay. Did you see this story? I um, James Corden got banned 
mm-hmm. from this New York restaurant called mm-hmm. Battlestar because uh, among other things, he went off on a server because his wife ordered an egg yolk omelet and when the omelet came, it had a little bit of egg white in it. Yeah. So, he, so he went off on the server. Yeah. It's like, what's wrong with people? You, you know, and so the the uh, the owner of the of the restaurant tweeted out that he was banned and and gave a couple examples of why he was banned. And it was for stuff like that and treating the staff really poorly. And apparently Corden called and like, apologized profusely. So he's unbanned now. He's given him a second oh, chance. But it's like, you know, what's wrong with people? You know that you would. You know, there's just no reason for treating people up. If you know, if you don't like the way they that they, you know, tr- if you don't like the service or the food, then just don't go back. There's no reason right. to yell at people and scream at people. Just don't go back again. Well, they said I he never, was the worst. Go ahead, Chris. No, I'm sorry. I just I never yell at people that bring me food ever. <laughs> ever. I do if they're eggs because I think eggs are the most disgusting things ever. Like, oh, look at that chicken over there plopping something out of her. You know what? Let's eat that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's disgusting. <laughs> but I've been to Balthazar a number of times, and it, it, it's a lovely place. But they said he was the worst customer ever. And I got to tell you, no, he isn't. The guy who sat next to me one day was so obnoxious. Take it away. This is not what I asked for. This is not what I want. He was such a prima donna. And the way they waited on him and fussed over him and pleased him. And I'm like, uh, can I have some water? Uh, uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Can I please have some water? Can I, please, sir. Can I have some water? Nobody gave a crap because I was behaving well. <laughs> so the guy who was treating them like crap, they were doting on him. And I actually said to the manager on the way out, I said, you guys are really nice, man. But like the people who are nice to you, too, you should like kind of pay attention to them, too. I said it like that, wow. you know, but like, the, you know, the anyway. Well, but generally fine. people who behave that way are, are entitled, which means he was probably, quote unquote, somebody. And that's yeah. why they treated those yeah. people the way they fussed over in the way that they did, you know, yeah. because if you become known as a place that the, that the rich and the famous come to, um, that elevates the status of your restaurant, which means that more and more people are going to try to get there, which means that you can try to you can charge more money, and which means you can make more money. So um, and, and maybe that's the price you pay for catering to the rich and famous. Well, it's not just a rich and famous place. A lot of tourists go there. It has really great food. It's pretty, you know, always pretty packed. And I'm sure a lot of famous people go there too, but it really is a very, it's an expensive restaurant. But they have some great entitlement. It's an entitlement issue. That's all it is. That's why this, yeah. I I just, when I walk into a restaurant, I already know this server's probably been serving more than one table. The last table might've been, like, you know, all these factors, they could have had a bad day. And I'm just like, okay, I want my food as peaceful as possible. But I also (laughs) feel you, I always feel you, Maureen, I hate when then they only cater to the bad person because they don't want the the right review because I come from the the, uh, get the hell out my restaurant era. Get the hell out of my <laughs> Well, I okay. think the chef probably said, you know what? Let's just mess with them and let's put a little bit of that egg yolk in with the egg white. Let's just do it. Let's screw with them. <laughs> okay, now here, tell me if you've heard this before. And I've heard this for, for 30 years and I've heard this from several, several people who have worked in restaurants, but what still means it's anecdotal. Uh, do you know what group they say, what group of people are the worst tippers? Uh, African-Americans. No, surprisingly. And I say surprisingly because that's what the stereotype is, is that black people yeah. don't tip. And for that reason, yeah. I tip 25 to 30 percent. We over We over because of that. Just because well, of not, that. No. not when I was bartending, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> women. Groups of women. Really? Groups of women, they say, oh, are, the, are the worst tippers. Really? Which surprises me. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm a great tipper, but, you know, people work hard for their money. You know, I just think about that. I think about that. So I like to tip well. Even if somebody's a jerk, I still tip well. Well, I, you know, the ones I, I didn't used to tip baristas because I kind of thought, you know, yeah. you're handing me, you're handing me my coffee while you have a yeah. tip jar. Then my son was a barista in, in college and would tell, yeah. he told me stories. And so now oh, I, right. I feel like I'm tipping for him. He told me a story. Oh my gosh. He, so he was working at, he was working, I'm going to name the place. He was working at, 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 a, at the coffee kiosk at one of the Nordstrom stores. And at Nordstrom, oh. Nordstrom is a great store. You know, I, I like Nordstrom. I, I can't afford to go to Nordstrom very often because everything's <laughs> a fortune at Nordstrom. You know, $50 for a pair of socks. You know, anyway, um, the, the whole 
ethos of 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 Nordstrom's always been that the customer's always right. The yeah. customer's always right, and they will bend over backwards uh, to accommodate the customer. You can return something uh, without yeah. a receipt and get a full get your money back. And there are some people who will, and that's why they're so expensive because there are some people who will abuse that and you yeah, know yeah. buy something to wear to a special event and bring it back the next day you know, and get their money back. And so that's why everything's so expensive. So, um, so some woman comes up to him and orders from him uh, a latte or something. So he makes it and gives it back to her and says, that'll be 350 ma'am. And she lost it. Why? Because he called her ma'am. You call me ma'am. You saying I'm old? You're calling me old? Well, I'm going to talk to me? you ma'am. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, was, she- I was having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> well, she went ballistic and demanded to see the manager. Oh, come on. Demanded that he be written up. And that's entitled because he called her ma'am. Oh, come on. That's I, insane. I'm not that's making insane. this up. I am not making this up. And the manager basically said to him, I, I got to write it up. Don't worry about it. It doesn't mean anything. You know, this oh, my is, God. This is ridiculous. But just to placate her. And that's, that's another thing I hate about corporate America. It's like they will always go against the employee. Instead of standing up for the employee, saying, nah, you know what, lady, you can get the out of here. You can bounce. We you can bounce. You know, Please. I was I was called only once, and it was on the internet, you know, on, on social media. I did a little short video a few weeks ago. I was at a restaurant I really like. I was sitting outside. It's casual. And it was a new waiter. And I said, hey, can I just have the octopus apple uh, appetizer? Would you have them uh, cook it well, like have it charred? And he goes, well, that's not how it is on the menu. I go, no, I know, I know. Just, but just make it charred, like blacken it. And he's like, well, I don't think I can do that. I know everyone there said to the manager, could you just char it for me, please? I wound up leaving the guy a 30% tip, even though he was an ass. So um, I do my little funny videos, you know, half-faced one, blank in here. Okay. I was like, can I have it charred? You know, he's like, we don't do that. I go, really? You don't ask the chef to just keep it on for three minutes longer? Really? <laughs> but you don't do that. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, hey, Karen. I got called a Karen because I want to well done. I can't believe it. Like, I'm in, they go, oh, you're so entitled. I go, yeah, entitled to have my octopus cooked the way I want, to have it three minutes more on a grill. Whoa, I am so freaking wow. entitled. That wow. that bothered me because that's a bad thing to call somebody. Wow. And that should be really reserved for if I wanted it done for five minutes, not three. But, no, um, it, should, it, it should have been reserved for if you were calling the police on them. Oh yeah, God. that's the only way it's well, Karen. And, and well, he was a black yeah. if he was a black no, chef, you were calling the police on him because it, because it wasn't charred. That well, yeah, that's the only way it's Karen moment. That's then you're a Karen. That was terrible. But I said to him when the the manager brought out, he goes, "Does everything go?" I go, "Thank you." And then I said to the young kid, "I left him." I go, "I left you." Ni- I didn't say I left you a nice tip. Uh, I just said, "Hey, we're going to start all over next time I see you." Okay, and uh, that was that. But when my mother came to America, she was waitressing. Um, on Fifth Avenue at oh, the Kushner building, 666 Fifth Avenue. And here she's an immigrant woman, waitressing tables, you know, to pay her rent. And the, this was where the lunch crowd, the guys came in with their money. And one guy left her two pennies under the plate because the chef kept screwing up his order. She goes, she'll never forget that. Two pennies under the plate. And he blamed her for that. And that gets her fault. You know, yeah, like it's terrible, terrible. You know, Terrible. it's just, you know, I, I was lucky that I, I never had to wait tables. I'm very fortunate that I never had to do that coming up. Did, have, did you have to do that, Chris? Did you ever work as a waiter? No, but I did work as a barista uh, at Starbucks on O'Farrell and uh, Powell Street. So I know. Oh, I know that Starbucks. How, yeah, yeah. I know how how grueling it can be to work in the service industry. A lot of people yes. also don't trip off of retail workers, people that work. In the yeah. retail stores, they yeah. have it the worst. Like Gap and and all those people, they mm-hmm. have to be so perfect. And it's just like it, it's they put like this: when you apply in retail and it says, uh, "Give us the hours you can work," don't put the literal <laughs> hours you don't want to work. Put the literal hours you can work. Say nine to three p.m. Because if you say nine to five every day, they will literally schedule you nine to five every day. And the minute you say, you know what, the schedule doesn't work for me, one day a week, three hour shift. Now, how you feel? Oh wow! Like, oh wow! Wow. Well, you know, oh, but when I was in college, somebody left me. It might not sound like a lot. It was to me. Um, I, I was bartending, and they left me a twenty dollar tip, and that was so much for me at that time. So I tried to do that, like pay 
disproportionately on, you know, on occasion to people. I always took, you know, 25%, but every now and then throw that extra, you know, just give them something like big and then it's just nice. And then walk out before they see it because you know what it's like mm -hmm. to work on tips. So. Well, I'm like Chris because the African American stereotype. I learned it from my mother. My mother used to tip because of that stereotype. My mother would tip ten bucks at McDonald's. No, I'm not exaggerating. I'm, wow. I'm not exaggerating. What a good and so, mom. And so I, I always over tip. You know, twenty five, thirty percent. Same, same kind of. No matter how the service is, even if the service is bad, because yeah. um, because of what the stereotype is, and and because I have heard. Um, because of the stereotype, I've heard, um, overheard, I should say, uh, waiters and, and waitresses talking about how they weren't going to pay as much attention or didn't pay as much attention to that table because they knew they weren't going to get tipped anyway. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the only place I really have an issue with tipping is strip clubs still. And I'm still <laughs> working through that. Working through that. Never play a strip club? Either of you? I, oh yeah, every uh, every other Monday there's a comedy show at the Condor in San Francisco now. Oh really? So, Carol, where Carol Dota was? Yeah, we basically we do a show. Uh, a young a lady comes up, does her dance first, and then the host goes up, and we do a show. Then the ladies come up after, and they're sitting there and during the show watching us perform. Um, um, while it's a weird, it's a weird crowd. Um, mm -hmm. you, you think you get. You get people that come for comedy. You get people that come for comedy. Then you get people that come for strippers. And <laughs> you can clearly tell the difference because the one side they're not laughing. They're not. They're like, hurry up, up, come on, come on, take your shirt off or something, bro. Well, you know that's. What, I worked a strip club, not dancing with poles. I wish I did. I wish when I had the body to do so, I would have done that. But. um you're walking through past the gals and you're like, okay, this doesn't make me feel uh, bad about myself. And um, I don't know who's coming to see the comedy, but nobody was coming to see that. And then one time I had to do a show at Hooters and I'm like, yeah, nobody's looking at me. Nobody's looking at me <laughs> or cares about my word structure or my semicolon joke. <laughs> now, now, the place that I work, it used to be a place, um, the strip club in Anchorage, Alaska, that was called, it was called PJ's. And a comic used to book it. David Strassman was a ventriloquist uh, comic. He used, to, <laughs> used to book this this gig, and actually, you know, the accommodations were good. The money was really good. They fly us up, you know, on Alaska Air, and Alaska Air at the time was, was free champagne as much as you could drink, and out, you know, so it was a, it was a, the accommodations. Everything was really nice. And the way it worked was is that uh, it'd be a strip club, and you'd have all these guys with their jackets in their laps and trench coats on, and all this stuff. Uh, and then at seven o'clock the strippers would all put on cocktail dresses and become cocktail waitresses. And the guys with the trench coats would leave and then couples would come in and the couples oh. would come in and watch the, the entire clientele would shift and the couples would come in from eight to 10. As soon as the comedy show was over, the couples would leave the, the cocktail waitresses would take off the cocktail dresses and be strippers again. And the guys with the trench coats would come back. You're wrong about the couples. They wouldn't leave. They would swap. <laughs> well on, on that note we are out of time uh, on that on that on that upbeat lovely note so uh so where are you playing maureen where can we see you oh you know what i'm gonna be at the throckmorton soon let me look at that that's on the um that's in Marin county by the way if you're not yeah. if you're listening out of, out of the area that's that's here in, the yeah, Bay area. in mill valley yeah mill valley and i got a lot of other stuff going on so follow me at maureenlangan.com or on instagram and facebook maureen langan l-a-n-g-a-n now, the, now, Throckmorton's been closed since like since the pandemic. So, is it is it open or, or are you in like yeah. an opening show? Is it's back it, open? I, it's back open. I'm really. I'm sorry. They did a show out there last week. Oh, I got to holler at them. It's one of my favorite places to perform. So I hope people come out. It's in Mill Valley, such a great place. Used to be home to where Robin Williams would work out of stuff, and of course Dana Carvey. So mm -hmm. I hope people come out and have a great time. Good. I, I hope crowds come back, you know, because it's yeah. just uh, it's 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 difficult pe because people are afraid, you know, pe because of COVID people are afraid and they're expecting another surge. But and actually, oh, this, will be, this will be my public service announcement. Uh, they're expecting another surge because of the holidays, because what's happening is people are going to get together for the holidays and they'll be indoors for Thanksgiving and they'll be sitting next to each other and talking in each other's faces. And the variants that they are expecting are BQ one 
and BQ 1.1. And wow. uh, and they are, are they're mounting cases aren't surging yet, but they're mounting in Europe and Europe is basically the bellwether for the United States. Whatever happens in mm -hmm. Europe, as far as COVID is concerned, happens here. Now, here's the good news. The good news is if you get the new booster, if you get the new booster shot, the one that just came out, that's available right now to anybody over the age of five, the one you can get it for free at like CVS and Walgreens, they'll give it to you for nothing. You're protected. You're protected mm -hmm. from this, you know, from uh, BQ1 and BQ1.1. However, only 10% of people who are eligible to be vaccinated and get this booster have done so. So that's wow. what makes it scary. And that's what means it might be bad. So go out and get um, get vaccinated. They're, they're, the CDC is saying to go out and get this booster before Halloween so that your body will have fully um, had its immunity boosted by by Thanksgiving. So they're saying okay. go, out, go out and get it. Yeah, that's my public service announcement. Go out and get it before Halloween, and that way your body will will have its full immunity and be able to withstand this uh, come Thanksgiving. But, uh, also, but they are, yeah. Go ahead. Also, a good way to to deter this is just to get in a fight with your family long before then, and you won't have to go to Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, the fight happens during Thanksgiving, man. Where you been? Oh. The fight with the family happens during Thanksgiving. All right, so where, so where are you playing, Mr. Champion? Uh, I will be playing in and out throughout the Bay Area. Uh, I know this airs on Monday, correct? Uh, no, this, air, this airs I'm, on Thursday. Oh, this airs Thursday? Like tomorrow, this, tomorrow? Th this drops oh. Thursday. Oh, well, check this out. Tonight, <laughs> I'll be at the Starline Social Club uh, doing a show with some friends of mine. Uh, it's kind of like a celebration for winning the championship. My man over there, Jocko uh is running so he wants to do a show so yeah tomorrow starline social club oakland california uh 8 p.m you can go to their website get tickets it's in the crystal cave all that good stuff all right so we've all got bay area gigs coming up uh i am in my third week of uh, of my run of my new solo play grandma and me an ode to single parents it's got really good reviews the critics have been really really kind so it's been extended it was supposed to close this weekend uh, it's going to go at least until november the 19th and uh, what we're doing is, uh, among the things we're doing, is uh, we want um, therapists to come in and people who work professionally with Aww. single parents. And so if you are listening and if you are a therapist uh, and you want to come and see the show, if you're, if you're a therapist, a counselor, somebody who works with single moms and dads, if you Aww. go to The Marsh, M-A-R-S-H, that, that's the name of the theater, The Marsh, go to themarsh.org and you type in the code child rearing. Uh, you'll get two free tickets. Your tickets are free. Uh, and it's on the honor system. You know, there are going to be some who take advantage of it, but it's on the honor system. So if you type in child rearing and you are somebody who is a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a counselor, a social worker, somebody who works with works with single parents uh, or has to deal with them on a single on a on a uh, uh, on a regular basis, uh, come on in and see it. And uh, also, we want to invite single parents to come out and see the show. Although single parents, we're going to charge, but not not what it is that we charge for regular tickets. Uh, the code for single parents is single parent 10. And uh, and then your tickets are 10 bucks. So if you're a single parent, so, so, the, so you save that extra money for child care because we figure that's what it is. You'll need it to pay the city. You know how much, by the way, the, the, that babysitters are getting now? Oh. Did you babysit when you were a kid? Of course. When you were like, in high school? Babysat. Yeah, all of it. When Love, my kids were, wants, it. my yeah. kids were, were were growing up, uh, like in in they were little, like in the nineties. It was like five bucks an hour, six bucks an hour. You know how much <laughs> they're getting now? No, twenty twenty five dollars an hour. Oh my god, baby. twenty five dollars well, an hour. Well, Brian. Brian, you got to realize you're asking an untrained professional teenager to watch your children for less than minimum wage. So when your kids come up missing, you can't be mad. You have to be like, you get what you pay for. So I'm all for paying these kids a little bit extra. Maybe they'll care a little bit more. Oh, and please. you know what, Brian? I know you tip well. So anytime Pappy needs me to watch the little one, I'm here. Okay, I, but I, I, I will pass it on to my daughter. I will definitely, and don't think she won't take you up on it. Uh, all the best. All right. Well, well, Maureen Langan and Chris Riggins, always a pleasure. I will talk to you both soon. Thanks a lot, Brian. Talk to you later. All right. I want to thank you for listening. If uh, if you like 
this show, you like this podcast, do me a favor and tell everyone you can any way that you possibly can. Uh, subscribe to the feed. If you are listening to this uh, on the KGO radio website, and I think this is probably the last one, if not the last episode that will also be available on the KGO radio website. They've blown that station up and uh, have changed the format. So uh, talk shows are not even going to be on the platform anymore. But fortunately for us, we have always been on iTunes and on Spotify. So if you are listening to us on the KGO radio website, uh, you need to go to Spotify or go to iTunes to continue to hear the show every Thursday. Subscribe to it and it will show up in your feed every Thursday. But there are, are two um, links uh, if you go and I don't know if, if the KGO is going to go away uh, or not on iTunes, if the actual link with the old shows is. But um, one of them says Copeland's Corner, and that's the one that's the KGO radio website. Uh, that's their feed. Uh, the other one says Copeland's Corner with Brian Copeland. And that's the one that is going to be active and we're going to remain active. It's been active for several, for, I guess, as long as we've been doing this show, actually. Uh, but uh, it uh, is the one that will be the only one that's active right now. So make sure that you go to Copeland's Corner with Brian Copeland, go to iTunes uh, or go to Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcast. You can go and you can listen, but, but uh, subscribe so that way you don't miss an episode. And if you really like the show and really want to help us out, uh, go to iTunes and leave us a five star review because that helps people to find the show so i will check you out next week i hope you come out to the marsh in san francisco and uh and see my new show uh information is at briancopeland.com or you can go to the marsh.org by the way you can also listen to the show uh, on my website as well because uh my website we carry the feed so that's briancopeland.com till next time be kind to your neighbor he knows where you live <laughs>